chapter 1 is where we'll get started here this morning. I encourage you to make your way over to the book of Haggai, and we'll get started in chapter 1. That is the third to the last book in the Old Testament, if you're having trouble finding that. Haggai chapter 1. So great to see all of you today. Appreciate all of the guests who are here with us. We really, really are encouraged by your presence. It is always a great thing to be with God's people and worship the God of all creation. Haggai chapter 1. Young men shouted while old men wept as the foundation of the temple was laid. It was about 536 B.C., and a remnant of Jewish exiles have just returned out of Babylonian captivity into Jerusalem. And when they arrive, they realize that the city of God is a wasteland. The walls have been destroyed, the temple has been smashed, the splendor is gone, and the city of God is in ruins. But despite all of the chaos around them, As the builders laid the foundation of the temple, everyone shouted for joy. They cried out, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The young rejoiced as they anticipated a better future, and the aged wept as they recalled the past. But one thing that all of God's people had in common was a mutual love, respect, appreciation, and devotion to the things of God. The city was full of emotion. The Bible says in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 13 that there was so much joy, there was so much shouting, there was so much music, there was so much weeping, there was so much noise that the sound of joyful shout could not be determined from the sound of weeping because the people shouted with great joy. The city of God was being rebuilt. And this sound of joy sadly made its way all the way to the ears of enemy oppressors. This sound woke the enemy oppressors and caused these enemies of God's people to discourage God's people from working on the temple for 16 years. For 16 years, the temple lied desolate. For 16 years, the temple was half done. For 16 whole years, God's people were spiritually stagnant. They had absolutely no love, no more care, no more concern, no more appreciation for the things of God. And so at this 16-year mark, the Lord calls upon the prophet Haggai to come to Jerusalem and tell the people to get to work. Get to work. In Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the governor of Judah and to Joshua the high priest of Judah. Verse 2, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The people said the time wasn't right. This isn't the right opportunity. This isn't a convenient time for us to build. That's what the people said. But friends, God could see through the lies. He could see through the hypocrisy. He could see through the excuses. And so he continues to say to his people through the mouth of Haggai the prophet in verse number four. 
Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? You say you have no time. You say you have no opportunity. You say this is not the convenient hour to rebuild. But yet, but yet, you dwell in your nice, comfortable, secure, paneled houses while my house lies in ruins. You dwell in your nice, comfortable, secure, paneled houses while God's house lie half built. You're so focused on yourself. You're so full of yourselves. You're so concerned about me, myself, and I that you've forgotten about the great I am. Get to work. Build. Haggai chapter 1, verse 8. The Lord continues to say through the mouth of his prophet, go up to the hills and bring wood and build this house that I may take pleasure in it and that I, that I, may be glorified, says the Lord of hosts. The people spent 16 whole years pleasing themselves. They spent 16 whole years satisfying their own wishes, their own wills, their own desires, their own wants. They spent 16 whole years essentially glorifying themselves. But God says the time has come that I may be glorified. This is not about you. This is all about me. And so when the people hear these words, they're struck to the heart and they heed the words of the Lord and they listen to the words of Haggai the prophet and they get to work. The text says in Haggai chapter one, starting in verse number 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all of the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord, their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all of the remnant of the people. And they came and did what? They worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. The people worked. For 16 whole years, they were spiritually stagnant. For 16 whole years, they were not concerned about the things of God. But God sent Haggai to the scene to tell the people to get to work, and they got to work. And they worked, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked for about a month. And at the one-month mark, unfortunately, many of the people grew very, very, very discouraged. Many of the people, many of the aged men who formerly saw the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of the temple 70 years earlier during the days of Solomon now wept as the foundation of the temple was just being rebuilt. They weep, they mourn, they grieve, they lament. And Haggai comes on the scene a second time. And he tells the people, do not be discouraged. Keep working. Keep working. Working, Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse number 4, the prophet says to the people, Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give you peace, declares the Lord of hosts. 
What God is saying to His people here is, do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Don't dwell on the past. Don't think about how the temple used to be. Think about how the temple will be. The former, the latter glory of this temple will be greater. It will be far greater. It will far exceed the former glory of the other temple. Work. Keep working. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be discouraged. That was his second message to the people. And so they worked. They worked. They worked. They worked. And they worked. And then two months later, the Lord calls upon the prophet Haggai for a third time to remind the people why it's important they work. He reminds the people why it is important that they continue to work on this temple. Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 15. This is Haggai's third message to the people. He says, Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. Before you built this temple, consider how life was. Verse 16. How did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. Verse 17, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Here in this passage, Haggai is reminding the people why it is important they work. He says it is important that you work because when you work, when you pursue spiritual things, when you pursue the Lord, physical blessings will come. Physical blessings will come when you pursue God. Here in this passage, Haggai is reminding the people before they got to work, while they were in this spiritual stagnation, God did not bless them. God cursed them. He sent them blight. He sent them mildew. He sent them hail. They had no wheat. They had no wine. Back in Haggai chapter 1, the text says, those who sowed did not gather much. Those who uh, clothed themselves could not get warm. Those who ate were not filled. Those who drank were never satisfied. Those who worked put their money in bags, and it was as if they put their money in bags with holes. The point is, God did not take care of His people physically when they did not pursue Him. God did not take care of His people physically when they were in this 16-year period of spiritual stagnation. But, friends, when they pursued the Lord, when they obeyed the Lord, when they worked on the temple, God blessed them abundantly. Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 18. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 18, the prophet continues to say, Consider... From this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, from this day on, what is he going to do? He's going to bless them. Why? Because they have pursued him. Why? Because they have gotten to work. Why is He going to bless them? Because they have kept working on the house of the Lord. God curses those who forsake Him, but He blesses those who pursue Him with physical things. But not only that, God doesn't only bless His people physically. 
but he blesses them spiritually. On the same day, the Lord sends Haggai the prophet to the scene for the fourth time. And he reminds the people that not only will God bless you physically, not only will God bless you with material things if you pursue him, but God will bless you spiritually. In Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse number 20, the text says, The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheatel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Here in this passage, the Lord, through the mouth of the prophet, is reminding the people that there will come a day when the Lord will shake all of the nations around him. He will, they will, the Lord will destroy all of the kingdoms. He will destroy all of the enemies, and he will Build up his people, and he will make their governor Zerubbabel like a signet ring because the Lord has chosen Zerubbabel. What is a signet ring? A signet ring is a ring that is worn by a ruler with the ruler's inscription and his name on it. This ring would be stamped on a piece of paper or a tablet of clay to determine and to let everyone know that he is the owner of that tablet or that piece of clay. In the Song of Solomon, this same idea is expressed. The Shulamite girl asks her beloved to stamp her name on his arm and on his heart to make sure that she was his. And so the point that God is making here in this passage is, Zerubbabel, you are mine. Children of Israel, you are mine. And this promise that was made centuries ago through Abraham, the land, the seed, and the nation will be fulfilled through you. From your seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. And this will be realized in the life and in the times of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, as Matthew is listing the genealogy of Jesus, he says in verse number 12 of the text, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse number 12, And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheatel, and Sheatel the father of Zerubbabel. Verse 13, And Zerubbabel the father of Abidad. After many other generations are listed, the text says in verse number 16 of Matthew chapter 1, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. And so the point that the Lord through the mouth of his prophet was trying to make in the latter half of Haggai chapter 2 is, Children of Israel, when you follow the Lord, when you worship the Lord, when you serve the Lord, spiritual blessings will not only come through you, but spiritual blessings will come to the entire world. And this will be realized in the life and in the times of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, my son, will come to this earth to save an entire world from sin, Satan, and death. That's the point. 
because the children of Israel were spiritually stagnant for 16 whole years, because they lost their zeal, because they lost their love, because they lost their care and concern for the things of God, God calls upon Haggai the prophet to tell the children of Israel to get to work and to keep working. And so they got to work and they kept working. And because they got to work and because they kept working, physical and spiritual blessings came their way. Wonderful things happen to God's people when they pursue Him. Wonderful things happen to God's people when they love Him. Wonderful things happen to God's people when they appreciate Him. Wonderful things happen to God's people when they work towards the things of God. Today is June the 2nd, 2019. And sadly, there are many people who wear the name of Christ who are like the children of Israel and are spiritually stagnant. There are many people who profess to be Christians who are spiritually stagnant. And these people who are spiritually stagnant need to get to work. Quite frankly, they need to get to work. When they first became Christians, when their spiritual foundation was first laid as they rose from the watery grave of baptism, they rejoiced. They were on fire. They were pursuing the things of God. Their heart, their thoughts, and their desires were focused on the things of God. They were great. But sadly, sadly, in time, some things happened. Sadly, in time, the cares, the concerns, the riches of this world choked out all the spiritual goodness from them. And and now they are at a point in their lives where they are spiritually stagnant. They could not care less about the things of God. Okay, they, they come to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings and Wednesday nights, but they're just filling up a pew, they're just going through the motions. They are spiritually stagnant. They have no more love in their hearts than they did when they first became Christians. They have no more joy in their hearts than they did when they first became Christians. They have no more peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control in their hearts now than they did when they first became Christians. They're still drinking milk. They haven't feasted on solid food just yet. They don't know any more about the Lord now than they did when they first became Christians. They haven't become any more of a leader now than they were when they first became Christians. They haven't talked to more people now about Jesus Christ than they did when they first became Christians. They aren't on fire now as much as they were then when they first became Christians. They don't encourage more people now than they first did when they first became Christians. Do you get the point that I'm trying to make? Do you get it? There are people who wear the name of Christ who have not grown. They are spiritually stagnant. And the unfortunate reality is many of these people have been spiritually stagnant for quite some time. Perhaps it has been a day, maybe a week, maybe a month, perhaps a year, or even just like the children of Israel, 16 whole years. 16 whole years of spiritual stagnation. 16 whole years of no growth. Whatever, whatever the length of time may be, 
Today is the day to get to work. There's no time to waste. Children are being slaughtered. The the, the marriage covenant has been defiled. Innocent people are dying every single day. This world is overcome with sin. The church seems to be hanging in the balance. Young people are falling away from the Lord every single day. There is absolutely no time for any disciple who wears the name of Jesus to be spiritually stagnant. We must pick ourselves up and we must get to work. We must keep reading. We must keep studying, meditating, praying, encouraging others, uh, building up the church, standing for truth, contending for the faith, speaking the truth, being the salt, being the light of this world. Friends, we must pick ourselves up and get to work if we are spiritually stagnant. In Matthew chapter 25, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells the story of a master who went away on a long journey. Before he went on that journey, he distributed talents to three different men. To one man he gave five talents, to another man he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent. The man who had five talents went and made five more. The one who had two talents went and made two more. But the one who had one talent didn't make any more talents. In fact, because he was afraid, he buried his talent. He squandered his talent. He wasted his talent. And when the master returned, he said to him in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 26, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested With the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This one talent man was cast into eternal destruction because he was lazy. He was cast into eternal destruction because he did not get to work. His fear caused him to be spiritually stagnant. A lot of times in our lives, fear causes us to be spiritually stagnant. I'm afraid of what people will think about me if I'm a Christian. I'm afraid of what my family and my friends will think. I'm afraid of what my coworkers will think. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of looking weird. I'm afraid of being awkward. I'm afraid of of all of these things. Friends, fear is no excuse. Fear is no excuse to spiritual stagnation. God needs us to be strong, to be courageous, to stand up, and to work. He needs us to be busy in the kingdom of God. Fear is no, no excuse for spiritual stagnation. But neither is contentment. Contentment is not an excuse for spiritual stagnation. In Luke chapter 12 and verse number 13, Jesus tells the story of a foolish rich man who had all of this wealth. 
He had all of this property. He had all of this agriculture. He said, what in the world am I going to do with all of this agriculture? I'll just tear down my barns and build bigger barns and just store it all up and chill the rest of my life. The Lord came to him and said, you fool. Verse 20. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This man was considered to be a fool because he was so content, because he was so comfortable that he failed to work for the Lord. We can get to a point in our lives where we are so content, we are so comfortable with the things of this world that we fail to work for the Lord. And if we get to that point, As the Lord says, we are fools. We have to get to work. We have no time. There is no opportunity for spiritual stagnation. In Galatians chapter 6, in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in Galatia, says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption, and those who sow to the Spirit will reap eternal life. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for if we continue to work, if we continue to persevere, we will reap everlasting life. The children of Israel during the days of Haggai sowed to the flesh. They were concerned about themselves. They were concerned about dwelling in their own secure, paneled houses. They sowed to the flesh, but they reaped corruption. God cursed them. God sent them blight. He sent them mildew. He sent them hail. Those who worked put their money in bags with holes. Those who ate could not be filled. Those who drank were never satisfied. Those who clothed themselves were never warm. They sowed to the flesh, but they reaped corruption. But when Haggai came on the scene, he said, get to work. And when the people got to work, the Lord blessed them physically and he blessed them spiritually. The point for us is if we sow to the flesh, if we're only concerned about ourselves, if we're only concerned about our creature comforts, then we are going to reap corruption because the creature comforts in this life will perish away. The creature comforts in this life will not last forever. The creature comforts in this life are as if you are putting your money in bags with holes. You will never be satisfied with the creature comforts in this life. Therefore, it is foolishness to sow towards the flesh. But when we sow to the Spirit, when we're concerned about the things of God, when we are working in the kingdom of God, when we are trying to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we will reap everlasting life. Wonderful, great, and awesome things will come about. Friends, if you are here this morning and you are spiritually stagnant, if you have been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, or however long, and you haven't grown, and you haven't been busy, you haven't been working towards building up the kingdom of God, then today is the day to get up and get busy in the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, today is the perfect opportunity to become one. You do so by hearing the word, 
believing, repenting of your sins, confessing the name of Jesus, and having your sins completely washed away in the watery grave of baptism, rising forth, walking in newness of life. If you've done that before, but you've made mistakes, you've fallen away, you haven't been busy like you know you should be in the kingdom of God and you would like to make things right today, or if you have any other spiritual need that we can help you with, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.